0: Welcome to the Tideline Talks podcast, where we discuss all things related to sports medicine, health and wellness. We dispel common myths and misconceptions regarding healthcare, and we do it in a way that's easy to understand. It's hosted by yours truly, Dr. Michael Slifani, founder of Tideline Sports Performance and Rehabilitation. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Tideline Talks podcast. This is your host, Dr. Michael Scalfani, and today we're going to be doing a little bit of a different type of episode. I wanted to use two real patient examples of uh, two people that came in to our clinic here at Tideline, and I want to use that as an opportunity to talk about some common myths and misconceptions within the healthcare world. Um, so let's break this down a little bit. Let's start off with patient number one. So patient number one came into our clinic, and he had been experiencing lower back pain, with lower back spasms off and on for about roughly about eight to 10 years. He was a former military veteran. And he feels that some of the uh, the rucking and some of the movements and activity that he did while he was in the military, uh, seemed to start his uh, lower back symptoms, but they've been kind of occurring off and on for a while, and he was going to see a different provider before coming to see us. And his most recent episode actually occurred about three weeks ago. He was bending over to plug in his cell phone charger into a wall outlet, and he described his symptoms as this grabbing sensation, this immediate spasm within the middle of his back that caused him to kind of drop to the floor and take a few breaths to let everything kind of unclench before starting to stand back up. Um, so he, like I said, he's an Army veteran. Um, he's currently active uh, with one of the F45 gyms. So he does a lot of different movements uh, at F45 that involves, you know, squatting, lunging, rotation, overhead movements, all of it. Um, he said for the most part, um, some of that Doesn't really bother him too much. The most provocative activities are any type of hinging activities, uh, any type of core sit up type activities, as well as um, any type of squatting maneuver seem to trigger his back pain the most. And he gets some back pain when he first gets up out of the, uh, out of bed. Uh, Just the act of sitting up out of bed, as well as uh, leaning over his bathroom sink to brush his teeth, that can kind of trigger that spasm tightness feeling within his back. So he went to see another provider before he came to see us. Not a problem at all. I asked him, I said, how'd that go? What all did they tell you? Uh, What they told him was that he had something called atlantoaxial rotation. So um, this has to do with your upper neck, your upper cervical spine. The first two cervical vertebrae are a little bit different in the fact that their geometry just looks a little bit different than the rest of your spine. Um, It's called the uh, the first cervical vertebra is called your atlas because it's, uh, sort of like that Greek mythology character, uh, atlas where he's holding the entire globe or the entire world up. Uh, so C1, your first cervical vertebra is supposed to hold your entire head up. That's where your, the bottom, the base of your skull intersects with the start of your neck. So it's called your atlas. And then you have the second level is called the axis. So, um, these two bones are responsible for nodding, up and down, um, or turning your head side to side to say no. Um, and so, what the other provider had told him was that the uh, the top two vertebrae were slightly rotated, and that's what was causing his entire spine become twisted and gnarled, and it was resulting in some nerve sensitivity. And that nerve sensitivity was sending uh, electric shocks to the muscle. And that's what was causing his muscle spasms was a lot of heightened nerve activity causing from uh, a few degrees of rotation within the top two vertebra that uh, where his spine starts and the uh, at the base of his skull. Now he said that he had done an x-ray. As well as a three dimensional CT scan or a 3D CT scan. Basically what a CT scan is, is it's kind of like a higher resolution x-ray where they take, uh, different slices of, um, of imaging and they use a computer to reconstruct a three dimensional image, um, which is, is pretty cool. Hella expensive though, too. So, uh, they, they got him with that one, uh, because I don't think it was necessary. Um, but basically what, um, what they told him was that based off this three dimensional CT scan, they could see a little, a few degrees of rotation at the top two uh, parts of his neck and that was was causing all of his middle and lower back muscle spasms um, so let's let's talk about that for a little bit so um you know there is definitely uh you can definitely get injured within the top part of your of your upper spine that is definitely not uh, what we're arguing against we see this sometimes where people may have a car accident maybe they get dropped on their head um, with within a sports event maybe uh, it's a soccer player who's going up for a header they miss and they land directly on their head and they can actually injure the muscles and the ligaments that hold those top two vertebrae together um, sometimes we'll see uh, the upper cervical spine the atlantoaxial region we'll see some um, injuries in people who uh, are naturally born with a little bit of uh, some laxity within their ligaments um, it's a congenital condition that they're just born with so people who have Down syndrome and people with a condition called Ehlers-Danlos, where the collagen that make up the tendons uh, isn't as strong throughout all of their joints as well. But this particular patient did not have Down syndrome or Ehlers-Danlos. He was just a regular, you know, uh, late 30s guy who was an army veteran who does F45. Um, however, if we see some type of instability within the top two vertebrae, that is a medical emergency. So um, I've seen this like once or twice on the sideline, and it is it is scary. It can be a little nerve-wracking because this is how uh, spinal cord injuries occur. So, if you have some symptoms of some instability around your upper cervical spine, uh, it'll look a little different. People will talk about how they have a lot of muscle tension at the base of their head, so kind of where that suboccipital region is. They'll sometimes get headaches or dizziness. Um, they'll complain of weakness while trying to hold their head upright because their the top of their their head, their their skull is literally starting to slide forward um, on the on the origin or the top of their neck um, however when they lay down or they lay on a flat surface or they wear a cervical collar and they get have some type of external support like that they'll say that that weakness goes away. The treatment for, for people that have this would be something called a halo neck brace, where they literally can, they anchor a brace around your, the crown of your head, like an angel's halo, where they screw in, um, they, they screw in this brace into your head, um, and really hold your, your neck in a very, very rigid position. If that doesn't work, sometimes they'll actually go in and they'll do surgery and they'll fuse the top two parts of your, of your upper cervical spine. Um, but either way, you know, when we talk about, uh, abnormal rotation of your upper neck, that's a medical emergency. And you should never ever try to pop or adjust this region. Um, If you think that there's some type of instability, you shouldn't just touch it, you either have some type of signs and symptoms that point towards that instability, in which case, then you need to refer out to a spine specialist and make sure that they get the right care that they that they need. Um, Or you miss the diagnosis. So we no, uh from when I used to teach spine and radiology, there's some subtle degrees of rotation that occurs on x-rays and CT scans around the spine that is completely normal. The one side of his neck muscles could have been a little bit tight, uh, making it look like he was slightly rotated when they took the x-ray or the CT scan, he could have been looking at a spot on the wall that wasn't dead pan straight ahead. And that could have looked like there was just a slight amount of deviation in there. We're talking about a few degrees here of his upper cervical spine. Leave it alone. Don't mess with it. It's not the origin. So that brings us to, okay, well, it's not his axial spine, like what's what's causing his, um, his issues with his back. Turns out it was uh, some limited rotation around the middle of his back. Um, it's an area that we Called the thoracolumbar junction. And it's basically right where your middle back, your thoracic spine ends and your lumbar spine, your lower back begins. That's where you need a lot of rotation to occur. Um, and a lot of um, if you lose some of that rotation, a lot of times what we'll see is people will have issues with going um, into a true sit up position, they won't be able to make a complete C shape when they try to round their back. So for example, we use the um, example of him sitting up first thing in the morning, when he goes to to lean up, you need to be able to flex or round your entire back Um, because he was so stiff in the middle of his back. He wasn't able to round his back. So those small muscles in his lower back Uh, They basically just started to seize or spaz up a little bit, which is exactly what happens when he went down to plug his cell phone charger into the wall. He's used to holding his spine in a more neutral position. He goes down, he bends over to plug that cell phone in and bam, that's when those muscles, they just kind of freak out and they start to spaz on him. And that's what was giving him a lot of his issues. So what did we do in clinic? We performed a few interventions to help improve his middle back rotation and improve his lower lumbar our spine to actually be able to roll over or to get that C shape or like a slinky going down a stair. Uh, that's really what we needed. And then all we have to do from there is just strengthen the stabilizing muscles of his lower back to build up some of that resiliency. So when he goes into uh, sit-ups sit at F45, hinging, squatting, um, any type of rotation like Russian med ball twists, things like that, that he has enough um, strength in that area to support his back. So that was uh, patient number one, um, just really talking a little bit about that, that upper cervical spine. Um, and he kind of got a little bit myth busted on that because, uh, you know, it's just, it's a medical emergency. If you've got uh, an abnormal amount of rotation or some instability in your upper spine, don't be messing around with that. And, and really at the end of the day, in his case, uh, they were just completely way off base and they just overcharged him for a three dimensional CT scan, um, which, uh, I don't think it was ethically needed whatsoever. Uh, but the good news is he's doing a lot better. He's feeling great and he's uh, he's back to crushing it at F45. So really happy for him. Let's talk about patient number two. So patient number two, uh, he's a power lifter, came in with uh, right hip pain uh, that was more symptomatic with squats than they were with deadlifts. Um, so every time he would get close to parallel uh, with a squat, anytime he went above 225 pounds or two plates, uh, he would start to experience a pinch across the front of his right hip joint Um, and so he just kind of pointed right to the front there didn't have any numbness and tingling didn't radiate across to his groin it was just kind of right smack in the center of his hip. Um, so he had gone to see another provider as well before us totally cool um, he said that they that he got an x-ray they did an x-ray and they told him that uh, his right hip was was out is what he said it was out of place it was rotated um, and that's what was giving him him all of his issues his right hip and his pelvis was was out of alignment um, so they apparently attempted to pop or adjust his lower back to put his lower back in into place. And they attempted to pop his pelvis to put his pelvis back into place. And then they popped his hip as well to, to put his hip back in place. Um, and then after that, they did a hot pack, a TENS unit, a little adjuster gun afterwards as well, which is kind of like a little plunger, uh, that we'll see some chiropractors use. And then they got it set up on this sweet plan where they were going to see him three times a week for the first month, twice a week for the second month, and then once a week for the, for the third month. And, uh, he said that he felt a little bit better when he left the office, uh, that he felt a little bit looser. Cool. Uh, but he said that once he went to the gym and he started warming up his squats, the pain came right back. So let's talk a little bit about what he was told. One of the things that he was told was that his hip or his pelvis was was rotated abnormally. When we look at the pelvis, if you uh, can picture putting your hands on the sides of your hips. That's sort of like the bowl of your pelvis. Um, Your pelvis is super strong. It doesn't really move or rotate. Um, Your pelvis comes together in the front uh, near something called your pubic symphysis, and that's where your adductor or your groin muscles attach to. They also come together in the back by your tailbone, a little triangular um, bone called your sacrum, and that forms your SI joint or your sacroiliac joint. the hip as well, the hip sits in the socket on the side of the pelvis. When we talk about the hip joint, the hip is one of the most stable joints in the body. So uh, back when I was in grad school, we had to dissect uh, cadavers in order to learn anatomy and just kind of see how everything comes together. And one of the units uh, on our hip unit, we had to dislocate the hip so that we could actually see what the uh, the hip joint and the ligamentum teres and some of the structures around the hip. Um, well, I can tell you that myself, and only one other male student. We were the only two that were strong enough to actually dislocate a cadaver's hip in order to to study it. And that's on a dead person. That's without any active muscle tension that a living person would have. Um, For those who are sports fans, Bo Jackson, uh, he actually, on that sideline play when he was uh, a running back, he dislocated his hip and it was a completely freak accident. It was so wild that, um, that a normal person could have a hip dislocation. It is extremely rare. So we do not have this issue where the hip is out or the hip is like sliding in and out of the socket or like abnormally rotated or anything like that. Uh, we describe the hip as sitting like a golf ball uh, within a shot glass. So very, very stable joint. Um, when we talk about your pelvis, we talked a little about how those those wings of your pelvis attach to the front uh, in your, your pubic symphysis by your groin muscles and the back by your SI joint, your sacrum or your tailbone. Those are the strongest joints in your entire body. So um, the ligaments that attach there, those can absolutely be irritated. They can be painful, but the joints of your pelvis in the front, back, side, whatever, they do not move. There's no movement that occurs there. So, um, you know, we see people who go through a car accident, and sometimes they'll they'll fracture at the top part of of the wing of their pelvis. And even a, a high speed motor vehicle accident will not cause any quote unquote rotation through the the pelvis. So, I guess my question is, from a clinical perspective if a high speed car accident can't rotate somebody's pelvis, what makes you think that in clinic, you're going to push on somebody's body so hard that you're going to basically cause this anti rotation or put this rotation back into place. I mean, I'm a pretty strong dude, but there's no way I'm pushing that hard. So just something to think about on, on some of those misconceptions. What likely happened is, um, When he, when you get a, an x-ray, uh, where they take the x-ray pointing straight at you, uh, when that beam comes through, if you lean ever so slightly to one side, it will look like one hip or one part of your pelvis is slightly higher than the other, or same thing. You could actually be like just naturally standing in a little bit of a rotated position. And that is completely normal. It is totally within an accepted range to have a little bit of a lean to one side, a little bit of that rotation, a little bit of that hip height. That is very normal. There is, there's no such thing as, as your, as your hip out or your, your pelvic out or out of alignment with that. Um, so basically when he went into, to this clinic and he was getting popped and adjusted and all this stuff, it felt good because, you know, when you pop your joints, it's kind of like a nice little band-aid treatment, right? So not there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I'll, I'll pop people's joints before, uh, sports games and, and events like that just to kind of, it just feels good. It just kind of gets their head right. Awesome. Like no problem with doing that at all. Um, but just knowing the science behind it to make sure that, uh, people know that you're not actually putting anything back in place. You're just literally just like a piano player before they get ready to play a recital. You're just literally popping your knuckles. It feels good. Loosens you up. Gets a little placebo effect. Great. Like let's rock and roll from there. So when I took a look at this particular power lifter, he was getting a pinch on that right front of his hip. Uh, It turns out that on his left side, he had a lot of limited ankle mobility. So he lacked a little bit of the ability to uh, bring his knee over his toes on that left side. What was happening is the lower he went into his squat, uh, he then had a small shift over to the right side, and that was overloading a lot of the muscles around the front of his hip. So we're thinking about like your hip flexor muscles, your quad muscles, all those were getting a lot of tension, and that pinch feeling was just kind of like a soft tissue pinch uh, within the front of the joint just from all that compression especially when we're talking about squatting a lot of weight like he was as a power lifter. So what do we do to help that? We improved his ankle mobility on that left side. Um, We then did some hands on interventions and some dry needling to help to temporarily relieve the the right side of his hip flexor and his quad, just to kind of put out that fire a little bit to get him feeling a little bit better. And then we retrained his squat mechanics now that he was able to demonstrate a little bit more symmetry in there without that weight shift to the right side. Um, And then once we did that his low back pain went away, his hip pain went away, and he never really had any issues and he was able to really start to move some weight. So hopefully these two patient scenarios um, help to bring to light a little bit of some of these common myths and misconceptions that exist out there in the healthcare world. This podcast episode was not meant to bash anybody or bash any profession at all. Um, It was not meant to, to slight anybody who doesn't come to see us first. We I have no problem when people go to see somebody else besides us. I know that we do great work. And I know that there's a lot of other people in this area that are really great healthcare providers. Um, but I wanted to just bring to light a few of these common misconceptions that uh, exist out there and just kind of shed a little bit light on you know what their theory is and um, why that theory may not be exactly accurate um, and then i wanted to at least highlight a little bit about the treatment approach that we used for each of these patients um, to help to basically resolve some of their symptoms and to uh, improve their mechanics and get them back to crushing whatever activity they wanted to do so um, i'd love to hear some feedback from you guys sometimes these podcast episodes can be a one-way channel uh, where i'm just doing a lot of talking if you guys like this type of episode share your thoughts with us shoot us an email a dm um or just uh or just let us know and uh if you guys want more of these i'm happy to do these as well they're really fun and it's nice to talk through some patient examples to kind of get an in-depth look about you know what we're educating people on and and some of our treatment interventions as well so anyway guys thanks so much for listening as always and we'll catch you next episode hey real quick before you go I just wanted to say thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others by taking a screenshot of this episode and posting it to your story on Instagram by tagging at Tideline Sports Performance so we can repost it. And to stay up on all the latest from us, make sure you follow at Tideline Sports Performance on Instagram and Facebook. And of course, make sure you like and subscribe to this podcast. All right, guys, catch you next episode.